0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Scores Podcast Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. Peter is the owner and founder of Best College Fit and brings over 25 years of experience to college admissions. He's also a contributor to Scores Blog, so make sure you check out his work there, too. Now over to Peter for today's conversation. Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by Cheryl Lenhart, the Director of College Counseling at Tampa Prep. Cheryl, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Peter.
0: It's good to have you with us. I, I can't imagine it's easy for you to pull away from the, the duties of the day within the, the, the shadows of November 1st.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to be here, and it's good to have a pause. So thank you for that.
0: Good, good. Well, uh, what I'd like to do is, is kind of uh, get a perspective from you today on on how your life has changed over the last six to eight months because of a certain COVID situation in our country.
1: It's changed greatly, but it's really created opportunities for me to expand my tool bag and really connect with a ton of people and network, which is one of the keys to our job. But really, network in a time it's put every college admissions person and every college counselor on the same page in a lot of ways which brings up some really interesting conversations but as far as my workflow we went out March 11th and have, were virtual since so we had a full semester of programming and individual sessions and college visits and things that we had to had to complete and fortunately we were really able to do everything without missing a beat
0: How have your students reacted to the change? Have they processed ahead without missing a beat as well, or has this been a bit of a hiccup for them in their approach to their academic work?
1: Well, of course it's been a hiccup, but I think students are far more comfortable with technology and adapting and multitasking and all the skills that you need to really be successful during times like this. I think fear has been the fear of the unknown COVID brought up an equal amount of unknown on my side of the desk, which amplified the, the fear for our students and families. And I think that was, that was key, getting involved in nationwide discussions to really find some common ground and find some understanding so we knew how to support our families through it.
0: That's twice now you've mentioned something about the, the broader discussions. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by the reference to fear as well. Given that there was a dark period, if you will, figuratively at least, early in the spring when, when there was a lot of uncertainty. What did you see as the beginning point when maybe the light started to shine through that began to ease the fear and, and create a path forward?
1: I think for me, professionally, it was engaging with the colleges and really hearing that they didn't know either. And, and they were facing the same fear from their own perspectives. So just really being part of those conversations and hearing deans be very clear that things are changing. And I like change. I'm one of the the people that really embraces the change and really believes that the college application process has needed it for a while. So I am trying to embrace a lot of those changes. As far as the light at the end of the tunnel, we use SCORE as a platform and has been just the go-to tool from March on. And we did virtual visits because we were all living virtually. We didn't really have a school year that ended at any time. We didn't have office hours that ended at any time. So we were able to put virtual visits into place. Throughout the spring and in the summer. And that reassured our families right away. And I think created a little bit of that light you mentioned, because all of a sudden they were hearing directly from the colleges, but it allowed us to put a lot of information in front of our families and work with our students virtually and do their common apps and do things with them virtually so that they went into summer and, you know, motion through summer with a level of comfort.
0: How has your own interaction with students, advisees, been affected, if at all? I mean, I would imagine since you're probably functioning remotely in many ways that you can't see them face-to-face, but has that really caused any change in, in the way you've interacted with folks?
1: I actually love doing individuals virtually for a couple reasons. One, the students are very engaged when they're the only face on your screen and you're the only face on theirs. It really has taught some connectivity, the ability to share screens. We use Zoom as a platform. So it's really been very engaging. So our individual sessions from scheduling them to conducting them and being available to students through virtually any time, that's I think really helped the individuals. The other part that I liked is we'd have access to the parents in the same meeting, which was essential. We were into their homes, gave us a little bit of insight of who they are. That always helps to, to build rapport when you can mention a picture in the background or you like their bedroom wall or, you know, it just kind of established rapport. I feel I know my seniors this year better than I have in at least the four years of the past.
0: So, so when you hear people talking with some degree of anxiety about where we are now, and we can't wait to get back to normal. That's probably a cringeworthy statement for you. You like you like where we're going, I guess, right?
1: In some ways, yes. I mean, I, I love. There was parts of the normal I loved as well, and I miss as well. I have a senior myself. Mm-hmm. My oldest child is the senior, so there's you know a desire for some normal, but there's also an opportunity to create new normals. And our school is very creative. We've been deemed the most innovative school, and COVID. Is given us the opportunity to really amp that up a little and really be creative and be innovative and create events for our students and create memories that are outside what would be deemed as normal. So we're embracing that challenge.
0: I'm curious now, can you tell us a little bit about your student body and the orientation of of your students to colleges nationwide? Are they looking primarily in Florida, looking largely outside of Florida? Is it a good mix? Uh, How would you describe that?
1: Again, I've only been here, this is my fourth year, Mm -hmm. but our school traditionally, we're in Central Florida, in Tampa area, which I deem it a little bit of a melting pot anyway, but there's incentives put in place by our state, financial incentives and scholarships that really make it difficult for families to decide to leave the state. But because like I said, we're kind of a melting pot, we have families that are from the Northeast, from the Midwest, from the West Coast. So our students are aware of colleges all over the country. So I think that helps. We also do have a few students every year that seek to go to college out of the country in Canada. I think we average three to five countries a year, you know, uh, 38 states. And I think three provinces of Canada last year. So, our students really do expand and, and look to go. COVID changed the game a little bit.
0: Yeah, tell me about that a little bit. How did it change that game?
1: Well, we had students that had intended to go to highly selective colleges out of state and decided to stay home and go to, to UF, you know, um, which certainly no concession in college land, but it's a very different experience than they anticipated. Uh, We've encouraged all of our current seniors to apply to schools in Florida, not knowing what's going to happen next spring or next fall. So that's kind of changed the way we advise students. It's a little against my grain to to encourage them all to keep Florida schools in their list, but because of COVID, it's it's necessary.
0: I'm, I'm interested then, given the disposition of many of your students to look beyond Florida, how are students in Florida or out, how are they making that campus connection now? Is it exclusively online? Are they satisfied with their access online at this point?
1: I think because of our schedule as a, as a school, visiting colleges have always been pretty difficult. So I think COVID has caused colleges to be a little more creative in what they offer virtually as well. And our students have taken great, great, great advantage of that and Score has really helped with the the information they provide, has been an amazing resource to even our younger families. We haven't even exposed our sophomores and we have multiple, multiple sophomores showing up at our virtual visits. I don't even know how they figured that out, but they're there. So my goal this year was a little ambitious. I wanted 200 colleges to visit this fall. And I remember having a meeting with my head of school, I said 200 and we are real close. I think we're four away from 200. Oh my goodness. So that's pretty exciting. And there are colleges that wouldn't have visited had we been you know, open to visitors. Colleges from California that wouldn't travel to Florida. So we've had real great exposure I think eleven countries have visited us virtually, which is a really neat opportunity for me as a counselor to learn about their schools and for our students to really engage with these counselors too. So again, I hate to be a COVID commercial, but I just that change really on the think college that campus is glacial in
0: really nature. It's like watching the grass grow. It doesn't happen very fast at all. Well, if that's the case, COVID has reduced that glacier to a puddle in about three months. So very and, some some of those, many of those changes, as you're suggesting, are, are much needed and then things that will probably stay with us beyond the, the pandemic. I'd like to talk with you a little bit about a subject that's probably a bit of a conundrum for Florida families. And as soon as I say that, you probably know it's coming, uh, testing. In general, the, the world of colleges has opened up with test option. And in, in the last 10 months, there's been a 60% increase in the number of test optional schools. But for kids that wanna stay in Florida, it doesn't help them much, does it?
1: Not at all. Um, in fact, all the public still require test scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, the privates have gone test optional, all but one in the last few weeks. But also, as I mentioned earlier, the state scholarship has a requirement of testing. So there's more necessity slash intensity around you know testing. Ironically, a lot of the public schools out of state have waived their testing opportunities, and a lot of our students can earn full tuition scholarships outside of state without testing. So I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to
0: play out because our students will need to test to earn full tuition scholarships. Do you have any thoughts about where you see testing going as a result of this? Do you think this is, again, a little blip in the screen for testing or what might we see next?
1: I've been watching this since it started probably early summer Mm -hmm. with the schools deciding to go test optional for one to three years. That seems to be the norm. You know, I've been at this a long time and uh, I've been part of those discussions with colleges who are deciding to go test optional. So those that have and were part of those painstaking discussions never returned. So I I can only assume that those that have committed to go three years test optional, that depending on what their profile looks like and what their outcomes look like and the success of the students they put in their community, I think it would be an interesting conversation to decide to go back.
0: I sense that this could be the death knell for testing. I don't want to proclaim that. But the more schools that become comfortable operating in a test optional environment, the the harder it's going to be to maintain a, a robust testing operation. What is the reaction then of your families who are in a position to take advantage of a test optional situation? Do they, do they embrace it enthusiastically? Do they view it cynically? How are people looking at the test optional world right now from Tampa?
1: Because as I said earlier, we really strongly suggest our families and students have Florida schools on their list. Mm -hmm. Testing remains a necessary evil. So that's very much part of their plan as well. But I think they were more excited in the beginning of summer when they started hearing that all these schools were going test optional because the opportunities to test weren't there and our our test prep ended abruptly. And you know, like I said, fear kind of trumped that. But Testing has always been a minor piece of what I really promote, even in the state of Florida. So it, it just really forced something we've been saying in college counseling all along that GPA and testing are numbers. It's really the other pieces of your application that you're going to have to distinguish yourself through. So I think, you know, it's really forced us in our our role to encourage students to distinguish themselves in their interests and in who they are and their passions and things outside of what presents on a transcript or in a test box.
0: Well, that's a good segue to the next point that I would like to discuss, and that is if, if the objective elements of the application are going to kind of take a, a backseat at least for a year or so here, the subjective elements rise in importance, what do you see as perhaps becoming the tipping point factors for some of your kids? Will it be the essay? Will it be demonstrated interest uh, that we've heard an awful lot about in the past? Or are there other things that you have heard or imagine might begin to become more important?
1: I don't know that it would be fair to be demonstrated interest because there's such... A spectrum of college counseling out there mm-hmm. that could support students in writing emails and, and stressing that interest. That would be unfair, in my opinion. My school is very fortunate to have college counseling. I'm fortunate enough to focus only on college counseling to make it a four-year curriculum and a process that they're very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very much second nature to engage with colleges. And I don't think it would be fair if that was something that grew in value to the colleges. That being said, essays, again, there's so many variants of delivery of English and writing skills that that would be a hard one as well. I would love, in my perfect world, that really students' interests, their personalities, and their desire to learn would be what they could convey to the college. I love the idea of virtual applications. I've been tempted almost daily to do virtual recommendation letters and just do zoomed, you know, because I feel I could talk about a student and say so much more than it would take the time and write. I know that, like I said, that's my perfect world, but where students could really discuss and talk about the fit and not only convince the college person, but really validate themselves that this is the great, a great college for them and where they really want to go.
0: It sounds like you're speaking really to revealing the humanity of the young person to uh, the application. And, and, and that, that's such a great and noble objective, I think. Uh, unfortunately, in, in a time when the objective criterion have taken over, uh, we've, we've lost track sometimes of the young people who are involved.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so if, if that's the case, are we likely to see a lot of COVID essays this year?
1: I've advised my students not to write COVID
0: essays. Not to <laughs> right, okay. Not
1: write okay. Not COVID essays, but COVID has created opportunities for other things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, time with their families, picking up a hobby, paying attention to their siblings, you know, being creative in, in, in time management and entertainment within the house. So we've really encouraged them to, to look at what they've learned about themselves during COVID mm-hmm. because. To us, that's a college success skill is knowing who you are and certainly before you make that next step. And I like what you said about humanity. I think this process has lost that, not by design, by default, and volumes and the ability to be really effective in looking at the humanity and the fit. So again, this may bring a a change. I think practically, we're going to have to find tools that measure some of those things and could somehow articulate those things in the form of an application. Mm -hmm. Maybe through conversations a little ideal, but maybe some kind of way to express, I mean, adversity has been looked at before, awareness of self, if I create a scale that would measure self-awareness and optimism and all the things that I really think are needed, especially in times like this to, to stay focused and be successful.
0: I think we need you to develop a, a new paradigm for college admission because I think you have it in your head right now. Oh, it's there. Waiting to come out. <laughs> the
1: wheels are turning. So.
0: That's great. One other topic I'd like to discuss uh, uh, is just we need to wrap up, and that is early decision. I suspect that's the bane of your existence right now, early decision, early action. But you know, historically and statistically, early decision has given students advantage in most admission processes. But it's also presumed because of the commitment involved That families will be have, I'm sorry, will have thoroughly vetted the institution in question through the visit, the overnight, the going to classes, all that sort of thing. So, my guess is that colleges are not backing off of early decision this year. Probably it means even more to them this year. How do we talk to kids about and their parents about making that early decision choice when there's a lot of uncertainty yet about what they might be buying into?
1: First, pre-COVID, one of our professional goals, goals is to increase the early decision. And your, your statement was beautiful that they have they basically got at the colleges and really you know, did their research. Sadly, sometimes it's more strategic that they apply early decision. So uh, one of my focuses has been, as I said, a four-year curriculum time doing the college counseling piece, knowing themselves, doing youth science, career explorations, whatever it takes to to really find those fits. So EDs would would have been my goal to increase because I deem the marriage proposals. So if we're doing the search and the, the courting and um, the process that I'd want to implement, that w- they'd be real confident in that approach. That being said, and to avoid strategy, when I came here, I made a rule that you couldn't apply ED to a school unless you visited. Mm-hmm. because it's, it's not who I am or how I advise. COVID's changed that up a little bit. And I hope colleges, I've had a few small conversations regarding this. Um, I think RUD applicants are down because of those conversations. I'd like to think it's because the families haven't seen, haven't really um, done the research that you suggested to really make that kind of commitment, but I'm okay with that for those reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want it to be strategic. I really want it to be a proposal of sorts, a a testament of that fit. So if they haven't been able to gather the information they need to make that decision, then they should not be applying ED. Another piece that I was thinking is I know of very selective colleges that have closed their campuses for the spring to visits already. So I'm thinking how are they gonna get their ED applicants in the fall Knowing that there's been a full year right. missing of opportunity to even visit, so yeah,
0: those deans, those deans of admission on those campuses are really sweaty now because all of the metrics that they've been able to use to predict yield on offers of admission are out the window, yeah, especially if they can't have anybody on campus in the spring. So I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, right? no.
1: I mean uh, the the thought would be that the they'll they'll pull more from ED, you know that. But I'm not, I'm I'm very strategic, but not when it comes to misrepresenting applications. We'll we'll see.
0: Fingers crossed. That's right. I guess a final thought I'd like to explore with you is this. Uh, I would imagine at Tampa Prep, you have a lot of pretty confident, self-directed young people who fold easily into this whole college planning process, but then you may encounter here or there a student who seems bewildered by everything that's going on that isn't quite sure of himself or herself uh, doesn't really trust the process just yet. And uh, isn't quite sure that this is going to work. How do you advise, how do you create some sense of possibility or hope for that young person? I like data. Mm-hmm.
1: I really do. And again, we use score. It has a lot of data that um, is our own personal data that really can validate what a student's outcome will be. You know? sure. So that helps. Uh, But again, starting earlier with the conversations and validating. We're we're fortunate everyone here goes to college. So, um, And that's been on the profile well before I came, but still there's students that assume they're going to be a different outcome or they're going to be the one. So I think educating them, educating their families that, that proficiency is proficiency and there's a college out there for everyone and like I said I'm fortunate because we have that focus like you said it's a culture and it's an expectation Um, but I think using the data to let them see that there's options many many options with someone who presents as they do numerically or at a test score and also really access to the college reps is essential because you know reps will be impressed by students in conversation and then encourage them to apply. And then they'll pull me on the side and they're like, they're not gonna admit me. And I said, let's look at the numbers. And I really think conversations between me and a rep and uh, numbers are very subjective, which I'm sure every mathematician would argue with me, but numbers in our game are very subjective. So I believe in Tampa Prep numbers very much and I will, you know, defend those numbers and and defend our students and find multiple options for any number. So.
0: There's a place for everyone. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Sure, this has been great. I've enjoyed talking with you about how the world looks in, in terms of college planning from your seat. I get a lot of hope and I get a lot of encouragement from, from your view. So thank you again so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. And we're all in this together. So I try to really empower our students to just realize this is opportunity adversity. And if they embrace it and understand that the colleges and colleges are fantastic at telling the students that they are just as unsure and just as concerned and just as impacted by the pandemic as they and their families are. So I think just remembering we're all in this together and let the process work
0: perfect way to bring this to a conclusion thank you again and thank you for those of you who've been listening in until the next time that we have an opportunity to talk with another college planning expert please be safe and and have a great day take care